Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by the Black Tux. It's Tim and Tim today, Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. It is February 14th, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh, Nordim got a verbal commitment on uh, Wednesday, the 5th of the class of 2020, Aiden Kea It's going to be difficult for us to pronounce that. Eventually we'll get there, but... Yeah, it's not Niamatololo. <laughs> that one comes off real easily. <laughs> but... Um, but Aiden, Aiden Kayana Aina is a um, nose tackle. I like him. I don't think that he's necessarily a big playmaker for Notre Dame uh, on that defensive line and nose tackle. He's got he's got to add some size. He just turned 17 years old, but everybody loves him. He's got a great motor. He's got good lower body strength. He's going to hold the point of attack. I know a lot of times people think when they hear he's going to hold the point of attack like that's a negative. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh, it's not. I mean, it's, it, first and foremost, that's the number one priority, and, and he'll be able to do that, especially as he's just growing into his body. And so he's number five for the class of 2020. Yeah, if he were coming in this year as a freshman, instead he'd be a guy you'd think, well, they're going to have to get him out there because there's that lack of depth. Well, it'd be nice to have that body on the field this right. spring yeah. or at least yeah. this fall. And, uh, yeah, he's it, it's a guy that'll help. You know, Notre Dame, the, the reason they're in, it's not dire straits, but the reason they lack some depth inside is they had a recruiting miss in Ewell. Uh, Franklin was seriously injured. And then, and kind of bad luck, Hunter Spears getting injured. I mean, you yeah, don't no want doubt. to rely on the incoming freshman. That was late but, in the year, too. Right. It, it's it, it was some bad luck and one recruiting miss. That's, that's why... I, Stockpiling defensive linemen that are of quality, especially interior, is what every coach does that's been successful at both college and pro right. level. This is the way to go. It's interesting that uh, you know Jacob Lacey's a uh, early entry freshman. What he'll, if he wasn't? Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, no, that's huge. really really important, yeah. and so he'll probably have to play nose tackle, kind of like Jerry Tillery did his yeah. freshman year when you knew that that nose tackle wasn't his best per- position per se. I mean, ultimately, I think Lacey ends up as a three technique, but they need him as a as a nose this spring, or so it appears. Yeah, I, I wrote about this today. I did a defensive depth story, um, and I put Lacey nose tackle because he has to be. He is a nose tackle now, but we don't know where he'll end up in the future. Obviously, he's he's more suited for the nose than Jason Adamiola would be. So, oh yes, that's yeah. how you do it. You got to slot these guys. But you mentioned Tillery. That was 2015. 2017, they had to rely on not as starters, but they relied on Heinish and MTA. From, from game one on. From, from game one on. 2018, Adam Alolo got in there starting about game two on, and they've had to rely on a freshman inside every year, and they definitely will this year as well. It hasn't hurt them yet. No, it has not. They've really played well. Uh, the one year they don't think, like, it's off the top of my head, they didn't rely on a freshman in there in 2016, and that's when everything went wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, these are talented freshmen, too. They're, yeah. not, they're not throwing out guys. I think Heinish might not have played on other teams for other good Notre Dame teams, because that was a good team in yeah. 17, but he he acquitted himself well for being thrown in there, and MTA looked very good as a, as a freshman. Yeah, he, he did. Hit the ground running. Heinish even better his sophomore yeah. year, but yeah. a huge step forward as a, as a gap penetrator. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in the last several podcasts. It's a, it's not a great situation, but they'll, they'll I mean, they'll make it work. Um, you know, I... I uh, Spoke with Alex Bars last week. I don't know if this, I don't know when I spoke with him, whether we include this in a podcast or not, but he's already, he's squatting 400 pounds and he's four months removed from an ACL, which is incredible. Now, keep in mind that they're not letting him do any any side to side lateral stuff. So that's a greater concern. But to be able to get in a squat rack and do, I think he started, I think he said he started out 365 and he worked his way up to 400. 
and not just one rep, but multiple reps. So that's that's a good sign. Now, every individual is different, but maybe Hunter Spears is is the kind of kid that, you know, by, yeah, yeah. by the summer. The, the problem is the, the, the time in between where you're missing all that strength and conditioning. And I think uh, nowadays with the four-game redshirt rule, it's viable to think, hey, if we can get Hunter Spears competing in August, understanding what we're doing, getting stronger in September – Coming into sh- football shape in October, then we have four games because, look, it's not like Hunter Spears is going to take someone's job as a true freshman at that point, but he might give you 45 snaps in November. He, yeah, he while might. Lacey and we may be winding down. I mean, wait, we may even healthy, we may be overplaying him a little bit sure, as a true sure. freshman. I, Lacey, I don't think that we are. I mean, I think that's a, I think that was a guy that was going to probably get on the field. Yes, I think so too. Uh, I don't want to say regardless, uh, you know, if you were three deep. So you have you Franklin, you have, let's say Franklin's healthy. I think Lacey still would have gotten on the field, getting on the field. Kind of like Adam Alola did last yeah, year. Yeah, I think so too. And we, I, you know, people have been asking about Franklin and I just, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't have an update on him, but the last that we heard, I don't think it's realistic to expect a whole lot. The last we heard, he's completely out of contact and like completely out of spring. Contact situations, right. which right. when you when they announce that so not announced, but when that's told to us so early, it's not a great sign. Yeah. Now you will hear some positive updates, I'm sure, from Brian Kelly. I mean, part of it is he doesn't want to talk about a kid who's rehabbing and saying how much trouble <laughs> he's in or how far away he is. So he's, Man, always, he's coming along he's, slowly. He's always going to be positive. Yeah, but that's a serious injury. That, that yeah, it quad is. For a, a, quad, a quad just um, it makes me hurt thinking about it. That's a that's a horrible yeah. injury to have. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Kanaanaia as a, a perfect fit for Notre Dame, and I and I get that. Maturity. I, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people have said that about Lance Taylor, who now is official as the running backs coach. I, I hesitate to say perfect fit when he went to Alabama, walked on at Alabama, was a special teams captain at Alabama, and was a grad assistant on Nick Saban at Alabama. And he's replacing a uh, devout Christian that's Notre Dame's all-time leading rusher, <laughs> was from Florida in the NFL and came back at a young age to coach the running backs. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just if they're really good coaches and fit in when they're there. Yeah, I do know that Notre Dame is very happy with Lance Taylor. They feel that they found the right guy f- for, for uh, that position, which, by the way, did you see, I mentioned this in Thursday Thoughts, did you see Mike Hart's tweet about parents, about high yeah, school parents? Yeah, recently, yeah. How would you? Days ago, right? How would you? Yeah. Did, okay. So you saw. How would you feel if he was now the running backs coach at Notre Dame? And just to paraphrase, I don't have it right here in front of me, but he was basically saying that, um, you know, if you're a pain in the neck parent of a player, we're going to choose. We're and and two players are equal. We're going to choose the one whose parent is not as big of That's a pain weird. in the neck. That's a strange. How call would you for feel if he was time. the Notre Dame running backs coach and he tweeted that out? I mean, I might get that as a freshman in high school team or something. But how is that a thing in in college football? Yeah, that they have any effect on anything? I just your uh, job is to be able to handle as a college position coach. You have to be able to handle parents that annoy you. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. I mean, I remember Bob Davey once telling me when he was the head coach at Notre Dame about. Um, he said, "You think you know? You think high school parents are bad?" Yeah. He said that it's the same way in college. Now we don't hear about it. You don't hear about it as much. No, because I think they have to handle it. I just think it's probably part of there's so much part of their job that you would have to be. Though well, there's there's a lot there's the Lavar Ball situation, which yeah. is different. Yeah, no one has to handle that. But I think they are so used to handling this, it probably rolls off their back. But if you if you're talking to an assistant coach and say, "Hey, what are some of the worst parents you've dealt with?" I bet they remember. Oh yeah, there's I'm no, sure, no, I'm there's, sure they remember. there's no, there's no doubt about that. But I'm, uh, but when I saw Mike Hart's tweet, I thought, 
Thank you, Lance Taylor, because <laughs> yeah. it just it yeah. just seemed really inappropriate really like for an assistant coach to be doing that. But Notre Dame is happy with Lance Taylor. I, you know, he's a guy that that I think they view. I, we've said this a couple times on podcasts. Is more than just a running backs coach. He's a guy that has higher aspirations. I think he's a guy that they can bounce ideas off of uh, when it comes to play calling and sequencing of plays and stuff like that. So. Um, all good there. Uh, you wrote up the other day. We ha- we haven't done a whole lot with it, but uh, the news of uh, wide receiver Javon McKinley, who believe it or not, is already going to be a senior this right. year, yeah. or 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 was projected. I mean, I, you know, I don't I don't know what this means to his uh, future at Notre Dame. But when you're a marginal player like he has been, you don't want to get in the kind of trouble that he did. No, I think he'll be dismissed from the team. I don't think he'll be dismissed from the university as long as it's pled down. Um, it has to be a felony for the university to go out. And kick yeah, out, I mean, usually. would would one offense would one offense be so. enough to dismiss him from the team? Well, though? some I... type of uh, there be some type of past issue, but it could just be not being a hard worker. But there's the traits. He, I mean, Brian Kelly said traits on Javon McKinley last year or two years ago when he was sitting out as a sophomore. He was a healthy sophomore that got hurt as a freshman. Yeah, he mentioned it. You know, I mean, this is it's a delicate subject, but every once in a while, when a guys don't meet any. Of the goals that the co- or any of the standards the coaches has, they get dismissed. Brandon Tiasum was dismissed for missing many standards. He wasn't arrested. That's because he, he was. Si- that's because he. We were watching a game and and it was a, what game was it? He it was, was sitting, Stanford. It was Stanford game. He's sitting back by the mums. Uh, he was he was on the rolled tarp by the mums. He was both literally and figuratively one of the better press box lines in a while, as far away from the field as you could possibly be, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, was, and still be in uniform. And still be in uniform. Yeah. I yeah. McKinley. I don't, I don't know if he'll be dismissed, but are you surprised if someone that gets arrested for this? Is dismissed. No, and I, you know. no, and I and and just the mere fact that look, they're trying to, and they're trying to free up spots, man. Yeah, I mean, be, let's be honest, we're not, we don't have to sugarcoat everything. No. They, he is in a bad situation because he's. This is a, uh, if it's all true, he will be dismissed from the team. If it's pled down and there's some type of misunderstanding whatsoever, the unfortunate thing is, it seems like Javon McKinley, at least at one point, had the common sense to get himself in an Uber. And go home from a party or from wherever else he was. Right, he just and wasn't. Then he lost he, it. He just wasn't. Yeah. Uh, he he wasn't communicative in the Uber. Right. Now that, I mean, that's a, like, that's a, but it's better than being incommunicative in the car. Is what, is what <laughs> very I'm true. Uh, very it, true. It sounds like it just he he kind of lost his mind, and that's yeah, it's really I unfortunate because I never got that from him. I haven't talked to him in three and a half years, but I yeah, never I got that say. from him at all. Um, it's a yeah. Well, I mean, let's I, you know let's. Let's hope he lands on his feet. Whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, that wherever means. It is. Whatever, yeah. whatever he, he that was, means. There was a chance he would grad transfer anyway. I think Javon McKinley. Yeah. I mean, he's, there's young guys coming up. Yeah, he's kind of in the middle. Um, let's conclude segment one with with Nordic basketball, which I I, I uh, ultimately uh, did not go to the game on Sunday, and you did, and we were texting during the game, and Nordic had eight points with six minutes to go in the. In the first half, and at a certain point, I texted you and just said, you know, because it was obvious that Georgia Tech sucked too. Yeah. So yeah, they're all which they did in the first game too. Yeah. Uh, but it was like I texted you and said, it doesn't matter what happens, just find a way to win the game. And then uh, Mike Bray's first comment after the game was that, you know, I, at the eight minute mark of the first half, I told our team we're we're going to win the ugliest game in the history of basketball, but it's going to be a league win, and it was absolutely that. It was very ugly. They, they you know, Notre Dame did start 
did play a little bit better there in the, in the second half. No, they scored um, 45 points. Right. It wasn't because they shot better. They made 20 of 23 free throws. Right, and they started, yeah, well, that's good because they started moving the ball. They yeah. started going to the basket. True. Um, Georgia Tech kind of mucks up the game the way they play. I I would think I would have thought that Pastner Josh Pastner would recruit better down in the Atlanta area, but there's a lot of competition. Obviously, you can you have to recruit against Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia, yeah. and everybody else. But boy, they're hard to watch. They 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 get one or two teams a year because of their zone. But I'd rather have Notre BC Dame. BC beat them last night no, too. By the way, really? I th- I think so. Yeah, I think so. I'd rather have Notre Dame's pieces than Georgia Tech's pieces. Yeah. that's yeah, that, that's tough. But the the one unfortunate thing is you know the. They had a chance to kind of put a little streak together before going to Virginia here. Instead, it's two out of three, which is and it's going to become two out of four. This is probably the game. Well, this is a this is the hardest game by far when the season started to win at Virginia, and it remains that way. It is annually for Notre Dame. There's absolutely no way. No, and then Louisville. Louisville is obviously going to be a huge problem when you watch them. I'm sure a lot of people listening saw them play defense against Duke for a while, and you know I know Duke had an amazing comeback, but. Zion Williamson is going to help Notre Dame out on that one. Yeah, well, um, and Zion Williamson's name is going to come up at the end of our uh, podcast here. But, uh, uh, no, they're not going to win a Virginia. But they do have Wake Forest next Tuesday at home. And they have Virginia Tech ne- at home next maybe. Saturday, which has become a potential winnable game. But have, has just, is Justin Robinson back? He wasn't back. But even if he's back, you've got to be able to upset one team at home. Yeah. That's the one you can. Yeah, get. That's yeah, the one that's, the one, get. yeah that's the one. Yeah, because Virginia Tech has really struggled, and you can't I only beat the cellar dwellers and have it yeah. be somewhat of a success. And I love. I mean, I you know I don't ever like when Notre Dame has to match up against Buzz Williams because no, I think he's a really good coach and he's a great motivator. And and, and Bray uh, know each other really well, both on and off the yeah. court, and just from the Marquette days, boy, they've been going. We've been watching him go against Bray for a while. Yeah, now. he's a good coach. So they'll fall to three and nine on Saturday with a chance to get to five and nine next week and. Yeah, that would be a nice. Well, yeah, because then they have a couple they can win again with Clemson. Uh, well, Florida State's a very hard. Or excuse at me, Florida State, that's yeah. an extremely hard one. At Louisville is extremely hard. Clemson at home is one you have to win. And then at Pittsburgh to end the season, yeah, and everyone, Pittsburgh is bad. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was maybe Pittsburgh lost to BC. Don't know off the top of my head, but uh, they probably anyway. both did. Yeah, they probably. Yeah. All right, segment two questions from our readers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'd like to welcome our new sponsor, the Black Tux. Irish Illustrated listeners get $20 off their tuxedo or suit rental. Just visit theblacktux.com slash listen. That's theblacktux.com slash listen for $20 off your purchase. This is Burning Up the Board, segment two. We start with a question from at Dan underscore Brian 21. Brian Kelly seems to have Notre Dame in a great place recruiting-wise and as a program overall, with the NFL rumors dying down, is it possible he coaches at Notre Dame for another five to ten years? Ten would just be something he wouldn't want to do. But, you know, I don't think he's going to the NFL. I think he had options. and it's, He had an option in 2015. He certainly would have had one in the last two years if he still had. If he wanted to send any feeler out behind the scenes, he would have in the last two years with that success. He had no choice. To, he couldn't do it in 16. I think he'll end his, I think he'll end his coaching career at Notre Dame now. 
and then go into a little yeah. bit of easy broadcast shows to work. He's fifty-seven. He he's the first. He's the first Notre Dame coach younger than me, which really makes me feel old. Um, but he always uh, has only been. by it's year. It's not like it just yeah. happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, ten years. It's really hard to imagine something like I don't that think he's at Notre Dame. That. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. I don't know. I'm not sure why you would would necessarily want to do that, but uh, 19 years at Notre Dame. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, what that, that's, what that means. that's incredible. But at least short term, you know, he's on solid footing, and I, you know, the 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 premise of the question is understandable because the program is really solid. He has an he has an opportunity to win, uh, you know, double digit games again for the third straight year, which would be you know yeah. really really impressive for the fourth time in five years. It'd be very impressive. Um, so it could happen, but uh, I'm not going to predict anything like that. <laughs> Definitely not. I will predict it's not Tim. I will he, predict he has it's referenced not the Mai Tai on the beach during the Ohio State game. So we're going to hold him to that until <laughs> that happens. Uh, from three one seven, Mike, what are your early predictions for the two deep at Buck, Mike, and Rover come week one? Which is much different, of course. Than yeah, spring. week. Yeah, week one. Uh, Start with spring. Yeah, I, you know, I think. Um, I think the Rover, we're going to see Shane Simon and Owusu uh, Koromoa, um, which is what, you know, we expect that to be a one-two battle there. And early entry freshman Jack Kaiser, who is projected to be a Rover, I would assume will, will, will be in that spot. Um, the the Mike linebacker spot is probably going to be Jonathan Jones and Bo Bauer battling that out. It's our understanding that Drew White will probably get a look there. And I think obviously he has. I mean, we know his role coming up. If he doesn't win, yeah, he's Greer Mar- well. yeah, he's Greer yeah. Martini. He's getting in. Yeah, against option football, and then you Buck, have Buck. Yeah, Buck Bilal moving over has made sense for a long time. Um, he couldn't have started at Buck last year because Drew Tranquil was, so that that wasn't an option. He cross trained a little bit there last year, or actually cross trained a little bit. At Mike with when Tavon uh, for Tavon Coney at the end of spring, but Bilal Buck backed by Jen Markeith, who did get in last year against Northwestern when Tranquil only played on in the nickel, and that would put Lamb at Buck, kind of a career restart for him, which is good because he's got four years. That's not a bad restart. He lost it to basically myriad injuries. I mean, the, that when you're injured in August and during the season, you don't have a chance to. Yeah, he had no. He, yeah. You can't. You can't catch up. Not on a team that's going to, headed to the playoffs, yeah, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. How concerned are you with Bilal? I mean, think about think about what a sure tackler and what a what a oh, consistent yeah. player that Drew Tranquil was, and now Bilal, who sometimes has trouble in space, sometimes has trouble putting on the brakes and 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 cutting back against the grain to get, you know, to the ball carrier. I wonder if it's more intuitive to play buck for him than out out at Rover where you're just, you are isolated at times. I like Shane Simon at Rover. I like that plan. So I don't think they, this is by far the best plan they can come up with with the linebacker pieces they have, right? Yeah, I would think so. I guess I'm a little, you know, I mean, Jen Markeith I thought was a guy that was going to emerge because he's going, you know, after this year, he only has one year of eligibility left. That's a really good point because Jen Markeith, is the least likely number two to usurp number one out of these guys because Asmar Bilal is a returning starter and fifth-year senior. So, in other words, Owusu Koromoa, look, everybody likes Simon, but Shane Simon hasn't played much. John Jones, you and I both like, but Bobar was ahead of him last right. August. So, Jim Markeith He's needs... He's the hardest. Jim Markeith needs Shane Simon to struggle so that they have to move Bilal back to Rover. <laughs> Yes, right? exactly right. Yeah, I had, I always thought Jim Markeith would move to Rover, but now that they have Simon Owusu-Koromoa, 
it doesn't make sense when you're slotting players. Right. The interesting thing for this hole, and we're really getting into the uh, spring beginning here, is I wonder where Lamb would be if he was just healthy all of last year. I don't know. He's man. He needs to get a lot bigger. He needs to get a lot bigger and stronger. But I know that they like him. They definitely like his his knowledge of the game. They like his uh, change of direction. He has good length. Um, I don't know, man. He's got. I know when I interviewed him on the the uh, the field two days before the Cotton Bowl, I thought, man, dude, you got to get a lot bigger and stronger. But he missed some training. No, there's yeah, no yeah. doubt. I'm not saying it's his fault. It's just that's. That's just where he is. So uh, they like him. And he, you know, with his length, and maybe in time he could be a Mike. I'm not sure that that's the best way to use him. but Yeah. No injuries. Who's your early prediction for the starters in week one? That's kind of his question. Is it what we said? Yeah, I would. I I think maybe Pete and I addressed this. Uh, were you here last week? Yes. Oh, it was the week before, yeah. maybe. Uh, that was I mean, week. I think, you know, until John Jones loses the job, we think it's John Jones and... You know, Bilal is almost certainly a starter, one of two spots. And we had Simon starting there at one point last September. We thought he could at yeah. this point last year. So yeah. he seems a natural for it. Yeah, spring will be, you know, that's one of the great things about spring football is this kind of situation yeah. where you have an opportunity for guys to to win or lose a job. Uh, at Dubs on Dubs, which spring battle is most interesting? We have uh, one of three choices here. Number one. Uh, the battle for number three running back between or among Jameer Smith, Sebo Flemister, and Kyron Williams. Number two, number two cornerback, Tariq Bracey, Noah Boykin, DJ Brown. And number three at center, Trevor Rulin, Luke Jones, Zeke Correll. Not number three because I think a healthy Rulin will start in 2019. And then uh, I think I'd like to, I want to see Zeke Correll in August. At center when he's been in this program for a while and see where he battles with Luke Jones and if it's and if you're looking at him thinking to yourself well there's your starting center next next year 2020 yeah. for me the spring is corner because it's a starting position number two corner is a starting position I am not counting Sean Crawford back until Sean Crawford's back and, and run out there playing it's is one of my favorite guys to interview one of my favorite players because of his approach to football but if he's been here four years and missed three to injury you have to hope. One of these guys can be ready to, if called. Upon. Yeah, I you know I think right now if the if the season started tomorrow, which would be ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> Not enough of a break. Man. If the season if the season started, it's ridiculous because it's cold and snowy here. Uh, Troy Pride would be at the boundary corner, and Tariq Bracy would be the starting field corner. Yeah, so that's interesting. I want to see if Tariq Bracy shows well enough to be the starting field corner. What if Noah Boykin behind Pride? Looks like the best of those three guys. Did they say, now we want to move him and see if he can start? That could happen. Yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen with Dante Vaughn other than we know he won't practice this spring because right. of his shoulder. We expect Joe, Wilkin, Joe Wilkins to move back to corner, which is where he was pretty recruited. much was recruited. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we just say that. I know people will say he was an athlete <laughs> wide receiver, but Todd Light last spring talked about how he always talks to Joe Wilkins. So that is the only reason. No, I like him, too. Yeah. He's, got, he's got good size. I mean, he, he has the size of what you would mm-hmm. expect from a boundary corner. Troy Pride does not. But in, in order to best align people, mm-hmm. Tariq Bracey has to be, the has to be his field well. corner. Um, so we'll... we'll uh, your, yeah, your choice we'll is the other that. one, though, right? My choice is... Uh, well, I mean, a running back. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean... Uh, um, who do I think will be number three? I, I think Pete had suggested uh, Kyron Williams. Uh, I would, 
I would say Seabull Flemister would be my first choice right now. I, I'm really, really, I'm really interested to see Kyron Williams in the spring. Sounds like he's got a lot of attitude and confidence. Bring it on. I want to see it. I want to see Flemister because I liked him a lot on film. I had him all the way at number 12 in that 27-player class. They talked about liking him in the summer. How uh, even Brian Polian said, I want that guy on my special teams because he'll just run through a wall at 100 miles an hour. I'm not sure that's great at running back because you want to see maybe move right around the wall too. It can work <laughs> out. <laughs> but I, I just want to see if he is what we kind of heard. Sometimes you hear about incoming freshmen and you just never see it for yourself. Yeah, on the field. So that's he's the kind of the guy. Well, Jameer Smith had more carries than Flemister did, just a couple more. But, yeah, yeah, but he. Got, I think they trusted him more. He was an early enrollee. Yeah, and yeah. Now that's they're all, true. now they're all pretty. I mean, you know what? If they're all even leaving this spring, it's advantage Kyron Williams. Okay, so picking a winner, picking a winner at each spot. We're both saying Rulin. We're both saying Bracy. I'm saying Sebo, number three running back. I, I would say that also okay. right now. Uh, T from thirty two. Is it more important for a young receiver to step up and make a big contribution or a young linebacker? It's good that you read this one because you get indignant at these questions. I sometimes. do? No. <laughs> I will say both. But uh, it, honestly, it's, it's linebacker. <laughs> on behalf of, me, <laughs> on behalf of you, I'll say both. It's linebacker if you have to pick one because they're all young linebackers except for the senior that hasn't played. Uh, if, if Chase Claypool and Chris Fink are great. And Michael Young, maybe they consider Michael Young young as a junior. As a junior. They, they'll be fine. But linebackers, you need a rover who has never really played to step up. And you need, Ben, uh, someone to help. It's not going to be John Jones in every snap, right? I wouldn't think so. The answer to the question, I mean, they're both important. They're on two, <laughs> yeah. they're, it's, here, see, here I am, <laughs> indignant. No, it's important for a freshman nose tackle to step up. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, and, and the question, I mean, it's two different sides of the football. It's They're they're both important, and you're going to need, I, I, what, I, I, whatever you call a young receiver, yeah. you're going to need a, a receiver that has not established himself. I get the question with the receiver because I bet they're thinking, when you ask this question, a young guy with speed balances the offense more. You know, and I think. They well, who they want to step up is someone really, really. Yeah, nice. I don't think I don't think the question is asked about Michael Young. I think it's asked about Kevin Austin, Lawrence Keys, and Braden yeah. Lindsey. Um, yeah, and we always forget to mention Micah Jones, but he also doesn't fall in the speed category. No, he doesn't. And right now, the the youngest projected starter between those two positions is Shane Simon at, mm-hmm. at Rover. So pretty important spot. I too. guess you would. I guess you would answer it that way. At D Baker three seventeen, I know there was an article combining the twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen recruiting classes. That was that was my story. What if you add the the seventeen class with p- the potential of the twenty twenty class? The only weaknesses I can see are linebacker and running back, which can easily be fixed. The grades improve. Uh, the, the interesting thing about twenty seventeen is they really hit on their lower rated guys. And had they not, there would be a massive hole in the middle of Notre Dame's defense yeah, right now. List the, list those guys. Kurt Heinisch was rated 520. He is a no doubt starting junior nose tackle. And if Notre Dame was returning everybody from last year's team, he would be the no doubt backup nose tackle that would not be beaten out by someone. He's a good player. Now, it would be great if there was a Kurt Heinisch and a half, another guy like him that has some experience. But they don't. Myron Tagovailoa Mosa, four seventy three. He was ranked. Tariq Bracy was four thirty four. They have been hitting on these guys, and if they didn't, they'd be in some trouble. Uh, 
Jordan Denmark Keith, we don't know how good he'll be, but he was in the 500s, 555. 2017 class of running back, which is also part of this. Jafar Armstrong was 472. All these guys could start. Denmark Keith probably won't. He's he's in the running. Rover, Koromoa, in the running, down in the 450s. I mean, if they brought back all their seniors, you'd have Julian Love, 480. Kevin Stefferson, 601. <laughs> 601. Wow. Yeah. They've been really doing well on the lower-ranked guys. Now, I'm not, people right now are rolling their eyes saying, well, how about you combine that with some guys that are in the top 100 that play really well as well? Because they have a miss in McKinley and a miss in Yule. <laughs> but yeah. it's that 2017 class, uh, the, the wrong word is, is lucky's the wrong word because they recruited them and they identified them, but they got some of those guys late and they're hitting on them. They're hitting on the Armstrong and MTA thing late, and that is huge. You pointed out Heinrich was super. Yeah, hard. we. I mean, weaknesses right now is the 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 depth at defensive tackle, but presumably, well, they just addressed that yeah. you know, with with a verbal commitment out of Denver yesterday. So it's hard to overcome that. You will miss. It is. It's a position. Yeah, where you, can't I, you know, miss. I, I I'm not sure that I'm not sure Notre Dame was ever as high on him as all of us were. Um, but, but they recruited him. He was but, a top 100 yeah, guy. No, there's so no doubt. No, yeah, there's no doubt. They that, wanted him to be good. Yeah. And, I mean, is it crazy to hold out hope for one more spring sure. with him? Yeah, I think we need to give him the spring. Because, look, there are, there are so many opportunities at wide receiver, at running back, and at defensive line to play a back, a defensive tackle and nose tackle to play a backup role. Not, none of these guys aren't winning starting jobs we're talking about, but... He should show pretty well in his third year in the program when he's going against Notre Dame's backup lineman, right? You would think. I, I'm not sure that he's wired like a major college football player, but in order, uh, he, I mean, there's this is we're talking about last chance university here, last chance you for him right now. I think the it's, spring is, yeah, and because they will know that doesn't mean he has to show out and be great, but they will know as a staff, hey. This summer could be important for can you. We, yeah, can we get any yeah. snaps out of you in the fall? That's well, what they've that's what got. The, that's what they got to figure out. That's what they need. That's what they need. So if you're going to regrade these things, uh, 17 class helps a lot because they're hitting where we didn't, where we weren't certain they were going to yeah. hit. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, from Kaiser Wilhelm. I always laugh when Kaiser Wilhelm <laughs> <laughs> Is there a larger story to Kevin Pine surprising everyone and committing to BC instead of Notre Dame? Much has been made of Pine slipping in the 24-7 ratings from 5-star to 3-star. Did the staff similarly sour on him? Put more bluntly, did Indy pass on Pine, or did Pine pass on Indy? They they didn't pass on Pine, but I th- they found other tackles that they like better. Um, I did a film review on Jimmy Chris the other day. I really like him. Um, Andrew Gentry is in there from Colorado. Tosh Baker they like. I mean, a couple of the bigger names, Paris Johnson, Brent Tucker, uh, Chad Lindbergh is a guy that's on the list. I haven't really studied him yet. But, you know, I, I, I know that Notre Dame was recruiting in that area recently, and they didn't they didn't stop by to see him, so that may have been a sign to him. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it was I think it was somewhat mutual, mutual. I'm sure Boston College said, look, we have no doubt we want you. And he's a project. He's a big-body project. I you know, in a in another year where you were taking, you know, if you weren't so deep at at offensive line where you were taking, you know, more than maybe they're going to end up taking, you go with it. But um, yeah, eight in the last two cycles changes yeah. things a little bit. For yeah, you. I mean, I you know, I, I think one thing I know for sure they found other guys on their list that they like better. It's recruiting. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Wash Indy. Which of the Notre Dame participants has the most to gain at the combine? 
and which player has the most to lose? The most to lose question, I wanted to say Julian Love if he runs poorly. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, Drew Tranquil. He has if, the most to gain if he runs fast. Though, yeah, no too. doubt. No <laughs> doubt. he could be a well, first-round pick. Yeah, what, so if he, he's what if he's an, a blazer? He's the answer to both, yeah. maybe. But, you know, certainly Drew Tranquil. Uh, and I'm going to be speaking with Drew uh, early next week. Uh, he's out in um, in San Diego with uh, with Elize Mack and uh, uh, who did I just do the story on? <laughs> the other guy that's just out there that's out there with them. I, I'm just bars. Compl- bars. Alex Bars. Yes. I'm completely drawing yeah. a blank here. It's a senior moment for me. Um, you know, I mean, if Tranquil's medicals are not good, then. But you know, I mean, he just played three straight years. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count the broken what, thumb or hand or a high ankle sprain. I wonder what he'll run. Uh, you know, Greg Gabriel thinks he's going to run just fine. No, then I think he'll gain from running just fine. I think Drew Tranquil has a decent time. How would you not want Drew Tranquil on your team as a? Well, I don't know. Mid or later, pick. you know, at the Senior Bowl, he was yeah. linebacker practice player of the week, which surprised. Absolutely zero people, I would imagine. <laughs> exactly. um, he, I can't imagine him healthy, not just being a successful player. It's the same as Julian Love, though. This is a combine question, so we should focus on the combine part. But Julian Love will be a good player no matter what he runs. It's just he might not be drafted as high. Um, I guess Miles Boykin could help himself if he runs what Notre Dame said he ran. Yeah. I don't think he will do that. I don't think he will. That's I'll, the most interested aim in a 40 times since Manti Teo, by the way. How about, Miles Boykin's 447, we were told. How about Elise Mack? I mean. How much can he help him? He would have to he, test out of this world, right? He would. He's 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 out there in San Diego, and he's I'm sure he's making vast improvements. I bet he is, yeah. But, but uh, you know, he can. I would imagine in a setting like that, I mean, let's face it, he's had. He's had nerve issue, nervous, yeah. you know, nerve issues on game day. I'm, I'm sure the combine's going to be uh, cause some anxiety for him, and so he could. And I don't think he Coney's, could lose a lot. I don't think Coney's going to run poorly or exceptionally well. I just think he'll run well, and he's everybody knows. Look at Tavon Coney's a safe football pick, right? Yeah, he's just he's just safe. Yeah, I safe would pick. think so. Yeah. I would think so. And again, Greg Gabriel thinks he's going to be. A starter in the NFL. Yeah, I would think he's so good against the run. Yeah. I think that that would yeah. be a good role yeah. for him. Really good. This one from, is it Manatee? Uh, something Manatee. like that. I noticed in the last podcast that you all discussed that many offensive line recruits are recruited as tackles. And I can't not think about Asa Turner's recruitment. Referencing safety versus linebacker. Yep. Heck, I even think about Anthony Barr bringing us back to this. <laughs> it makes me wonder why specifying committing to a particular position is necessary or wise in some scenarios, but not others. Why lose a candidate? When depth charts, injuries, physical growth, et cetera, play a role. Well, as it relates to tackles, you know, offensive linemen all want to be told they're tackles. Yes. Quentin Nelson and Quentin Nelson's family wanted him to Absolutely. be a tackle. And I, Alex Bars came in after him, I, and they're like, wait, there's another tackle. Yeah, I've mentioned when I when I met Alex Bars, I knew his dad from playing in Notre Dame, and I was like, you know, I think Alex is a guard, and it was like, Dead quiet. You know, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't want to hear that. They're both guards now. One of them is an all-pro guard. <laughs> Tackle is, you know, I forget who said it to me. I think it might have been McGlinchey. Um, you know, it might have been Bars because he's a guard. I said, you know, you're recruited as a tackle. He goes, oh, we're all recruited as tackles. Kind right. of joking. He's a mature kid now at this point. He's, he's a man now. But he, I think he recognized the fact we're all the best linemen in our state or in our district. We're, we're going to be tackles on our teams. 
then you go here. And yeah, you there's out. a lot of truth to that. I yeah. mean, I you know when John Olmstead signed, I think it still said offensive tackle. I don't think he's going to play offensive tackle. Right, it's a rare thing that that they're just. You know what Troy Nicholas said about playing guard in high school? Good old Troy. <laughs> I'm sure it was something colorful. <laughs> it was the best. So when he moved to tight end, I asked him if he ever played tight end. He said, "No, on offense in high school, I played guard so I could rest." <laughs> so I think they like tackles in high school to be the. Yeah, the coach wanted to rest me, so he played me a guard. <laughs> you know, everyone. I, I mean, in, in as it as it relates to the question, you know, you don't want to you don't want to paint a kid in a corner per se. You you also you want to tell him what he wants to hear, but by the same token, you got to be honest with you the kid be too. Honest. Uh, you got to be within the well. The problem with Turner is. Linebacker and safety are just a lot different than, <laughs> hey, you're third string at spring practice. We want you to work something at guard. And then you stick at guard. Like, it's he's going to either go out there and be a linebacker or safety when he starts his career at Notre Dame or, excuse me, at Washington. So if at Notre Dame, he's more comfortable at one and then they really think something else but tell him what he wants to hear, it's pretty immediate that you kind of went back on what you said. Yeah, and this is kind of the exception of the rule because the kid, Turner participated in two All-Star games. He didn't do well at linebacker, and then they, they put him at safety at the other one. He did really, really well. So, I mean, you know, this story just kind of happened, and they lost him. But, they, I mean, Nordin liked him at outside linebacker. And I think there's less – this is going to come off wrong. There's less honesty <laughs> that maybe people are thinking. If you're a really good player, the staff wants you. They're going to give you your chance. I think what they do is give you your chance to play the position – that you believe you're best suited for, and then it becomes up to them. It becomes up to the staff. And right. if you do, like, Quentin Nelson and Alex Bars wanted to play tackle. Would they have been better off at tackle? No. So should Notre Dame have just, they should have just said, hey, yeah, safety, man, we love you, Asa. Should they have done that? As long as, they're, as long as they're, would start him out where he wanted to be started out, he's open to a move. I mean, kids should be open to moves, too. I mean, that once you're on campus and it's proven that Elohi Gilman's better than you or somebody else is, or is better than your other position, you should right. be able to move. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's... I don't think they paint themselves in a corner as much as we are talking about here, though. Although the Anthony Barr example's great, but that's... Yeah. Fine. And I think... I mean, I think Asa Turner can play safety on the next level. I like I like Asa Turner at <laughs> safety completely. I'm not saying he can't play outside no. linebacker, but he... He was... Zeke Mata was my was, comparison to him. Right. He was lost at, at in the uh, All-American game. He barely even played outside linebacker. All right, last question uh, from our good friend at Way to Go. Okay, man, <laughs> what position would Zion Williamson play on Notre Dame's football team? He'd play the same position that uh, that LeBron James would have played, right? Tight end? Just run down the field. <laughs> I, I mean, what? Or, 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 this come, is, coming off the edge, this, baby. No, this is the first year going into a season Notre Dame doesn't need somebody coming off the edge. He would not play defensive end at Notre Dame. It's the first time in, since the Holtz era. No, I think <laughs> I think Zion Williamson would play wherever He'd he play wanted something. to play. You see him dent the basketball in that picture? No. He was ripping the basketball away from a Louisville player, and, and the picture showed his fingers were denting a fully inflated basketball. It probably away. wasn't deflate gate either. <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's a good that's a good question. But it's not defensive end. Finally. Notre Dame has recruited and developed defensive ends. He will not beat out either one of those two guys. All right, so he'd play tight end his freshman year and then move to defensive end <laughs> yeah, his sophomore yeah. year because they're, <laughs> they're going to be breaking in some new defensive ends in 2020. Right? Yeah, well... So, I like I like Ogundeji coming up. I know we're off no, topic I do here, too. but yeah, I like no, Ogundeji I do too. quite a bit. But, but Zion, you can play on my team. You can play wherever you want, son. <laughs> I'd rather than play on Notre Dame's basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be happening. All right, we're out of questions here for today. We appreciate you joining us. We want to thank the Black Tux 
as our new sponsor. And we'll be back next Thursday, February 21st. Thanks for joining us. For Tim O'Malley, I'm Tim Priester. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Yeah.